This is Peter Rosenberger, and one of the reasons I wrote my new book, A Minute for Caregivers, is because I remember the sinking, despairing feeling of struggling as a caregiver. No one knew what to say to me. I didn't understand, and others didn't understand me. For decades, I foraged along and tried to find my path through this medical nightmare that Gracie and I have endured for nearly 40 years. And I've learned to speak the language of caregivers. I speak fluent caregiver. No pastor, no counselor, no medical provider, no friend should ever throw their hands up and say, I don't know what to say to that caregiver. Because I do. Give them a copy of this book. It's called A Minute for Caregivers When Every Day Feels Like Monday. They're easy to read, one-minute chapters that speak directly to the heart of a caregiver, and you can get them wherever books are sold. A Minute for Caregivers When Every Day feels like Monday. Friends don't let friends caregive alone. Welcome to Hope for the Caregiver here on Family Talk Channel 131. I am Peter Rosenberger. This is the show. For the family caregiver, for those of you who are putting yourself between a vulnerable loved one and even worse disaster, for those of you who are struggling as you care for an aging, impaired, chronically ill, disabled, special needs, addicted loved one, whatever the impairment, whatever the chronic impairment, there's always a caregiver. How are you holding up? How are you doing? That's why we do this show, to find out what's going on with you are you in a good place? Are you in a good place physically, fiscally, emotionally, spiritually, professionally, all of the above? If you're not, how is that going to affect your loved one? And how is that going to affect you and your ability to do what you're trying to do? See, the goal is not to somehow just get through this, white knuckle it and get through it. But the goal is for you to live a healthier quality of life, even while doing this. That seems a little bit counterintuitive sometimes. You think, well, we just got to get mama through this so she goes on to be with Jesus. Well, that's what a lot of people think, but that's not cool. That is not the right way to go about this thing. You can live a healthier life. You can live a calmer life. And guess what? You can even live a more joyful life. It's not easy. Takes some work, but you can do it. We're going to talk about how. And I'm glad you're with us. If you want to be a part of the show... If you're thinking for the first time you're hearing this, thinking, are you kidding me? A show for caregivers? Yeah. There are 39,000 hours of programming, 39,480 hours of programming on SiriusXM every week. This is the one hour for the family caregiver. This is your hour. This is your time. Whether you're driving along, sitting at home, streaming, whatever it is you're wanting to do, while you're doing this, just listen for a moment and you'll realize, oh, wait a minute, we speak fluent caregiver here. We talk about things that are affecting you, not your loved one. I'm not asking about them. Not that we don't care. It's just that that's not the purpose of this show. It's not hope for the patient. It's not hope for the parent. It's not hope for the politician. It's hope for the caregiver, period. You as a family caregiver. So we'd love to have you chime in. 877 877- Six five five sixty seven fifty five. My wife says I have to say it slower. Eight seven seven six five five sixty seven fifty five. And speaking of slower, 
you know him as the parent of the board, the salt of the sound, the Earl of Engineering, the man who's a late bloomer but full of humor. He's my sidekick, John Butler, the Count of Mighty Disco, everyone. <laughs> well, that was just, that was fantastic. You are on today, by the way. Just wonderful. And, you know, it. I might have, I might be wrong about a couple of things. It takes a big man to, to, to <laughs> and you admit are that big wrong. man. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it takes a big man to admit when he's wrong, but it takes a bigger man to give a giraffe a haircut. So, yeah. uh, John is a, a very tall fellow. Um, yeah, that's the six, joke. <laughs> six foot. What are you? Six seven? I am. I am. I'm six foot five. Uh, one hundred and ninety-six centimeters. I think maybe one hundred ninety-two. You've really worked Something out like the that. math on this, haven't you? I, I, yeah, again, I, you know, we, we, we've talked about math not being a thing about this. And, and, and yet you still talk about the 39,480 hours of programming. <laughs> you know, but I think, it's, I think it's really important to know that there's so much devoted to sports, to politics, to, yeah. um, you know, uh, finances, health. But 65 million people are taking care of someone that we can count. There's probably more than that. I think there is. And yet there's just very little out there that's cohesive for them other than you get a lot of pockets of it like platitudes. Take care of yourself. And it's usually part of something good. else, too, like a larger program. Yeah. It's like, oh, we have our caregiver corner or whatever, you know, sort of deal. And I no, I just really like the way you put it. This is not not that politicians don't need hope and not that parents don't need hope and not that, you know, patients don't need hope. But so do caregivers. And this is that that this is it. By the way, there's a little static on your line. Mm. And uh, so a uh, little sorry about that little inside baseball. John's in Nashville. I'm in southwest Montana. Ed is in Dallas. And we are here all for you crisscrossing this great country. And uh, here for you as a family caregiver, and we're thrilled to have you here. I do have our caregiver tip of the day. Our caregiver tip of the day. And our caregiver tip of the day is something I heard yesterday, John. And it is uh, we we have a good bit of snow on the ground from a um, a little wintry passing that comes early to the Rockies up here in Montana. And we just moved out here from Tennessee. I've been mean, coming out here for a long time, but I was I was going to drive. I had to drive across uh, a big, pretty good sized hill to get to a place where I was going to get some new tires. And tires are a big part of your life in rural Montana. You want to have good tires. And but I had to go across a, a pretty steep hill that that could be ugly in the winter. And a, a friend here, I said, "Well, how's the how's the road on the way over?" And uh, he said. Um, he said, don't here's, and here's the caregiver tip of the day. You ready? Don't (laughs) right. Thank you. (laughs) He said, here's the caregiver tip of the day. No, he didn't say it was a caregiver. He just said, here's, he just gave a piece of advice, but I, I grasped it and applied it to my life as a caregiver. And he said, don't pass the snowplow. Don't pass the snowplow. And I thought, what a great reminder of our journey as caregivers. John? Uh, well, no, that's just 
That's fantastic. You you looked. I I, I have John here on video conference, so I could see him. And you looked eager to speak into this. No, no, no. I was I was just listening. To, that's I just really like that that uh, that metaphor. That uh, uh, there are there's lots of just environmental things going on. Uh, in in any sort of complicated situation, like being a caregiver or driving down the mountain, um, and you know, the snowplow is one of those things that's going to do its job whether you're there or not. And and you know you're going to have to go at the pace of the snowplow if you want to stay safe on the road. Exactly. And and the pace for you as a caregiver, the pace of somebody that is plowing the road for you, or a set of circumstances that can keep you safe. It may frustrate you. You may not like going at 10 to 15 miles an hour. But, and as I, I was talking to a buddy of mine last night, and I said, you know, I got these <clears throat> new tires, you know, because I was really excited about my tires, John. I mean, you know, I don't want to make this right, about right. tires. But I was tired. I paid a lot of money for the tires, so I want to be excited about them. But he said, the key to it out here is drive at the speed. Uh, drive at the speed that you feel comfortable slamming into the ditch. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so I thought you know there's some there's some real great wisdom that comes sometimes living in a harsh environment like this. Drive at the speed <laughs> that you feel comfortable slamming into the ditch. Yeah, and I think well, for it, us as caregivers, we tend to move really fast, and we get kind of frenetic and frantic in it sometimes. And I know I do. I don't know about you, yeah. John, but I do. I do. And 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 so I I'm trying to learn how to slow down and go with the speed that keeps me safe. And I may not get to where I want to be as fast as I'd like to be there, but I'm going to get there a whole lot faster if I'm not in a ditch somewhere or going off a cliff or whatever, you know. Yeah, and I think yeah. as caregivers, that's where we are. That's where we live. And and uh, let me let me explain. You know, when you, when you have a doctor that is saying to you, "Here's the deal," you don't have to accept that doctor's word for it, but you're going to be served. You're going to be served better by doing so. Um, I, I remember I was talking to a family member who's getting ready to have a surgery, and they said we were trying to talk that, that sometimes a doctor will offer you a choice: do you want a regular type of surgery, or you want to try laparoscopic? And I stopped him. I said. If your physician is offering you a choice on what type of surgery to have, you need a different physician <laughs> because this you didn't go to medical school, so you don't really get a vote in this. You can agree to, to have it or not, but you don't get to have a it's not a menu. You know, it's it's yeah, yeah. If you need I, surgery, I, I you need that, surgery. Okay. Let the doctor who went to medical school figure that out. By, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, and so I was uh, uh you know, but I, I remember one time that I, uh, Gracie had had a pretty ugly back surgery and it was, um, it was, it was a brutal surgery and we, we were no stranger to surgeries by this point. But the doc came back and he said, Hey, look, um, you're going to, she's got a, she's got a post-op infection. Something is in her back in her spinal cord area and it's pretty serious and we're going to have to keep her here for three months and we're going to have to open her up every couple of days. And we have to irrigate that section out, and she's not going um, to be able to lift up more than 15 degrees. Well, I want you to think about that reality. And and I looked at the doctor, and well, I didn't really look at the doctor. I just kind of looked at the wall, and I, my, I just 
I just, my spirits just sunk, my shoulders, everything just sunk. And we had smaller children at home. And I said, I can't do this for three months. And he stopped and he put his hand on my shoulder. He said, you're not going to do it for three months. You're going to do it for 24 hours. That's the speed of the snowplow. And that's how fast you're going to go one day at a time. You're going to deal with this one day at a time. Nobody can do this for a lifetime, but anybody do it for 24 hours. And I, 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 I got through that. I, I, I held on to that piece of advice that, that at any, and he quoted Matthew six, when he said, you know, tomorrow is sufficient for itself. The worries of tomorrow is sufficient for itself. What Jesus said there. And I thought, okay, I'm going to have to live this out. And Gracie is too. We're just going to have to live this out. We cannot pass the snowplow. That's how fast the snowplow goes one day at a time. And, you know, it's just amazing. And I think that's one of the things, John, I like about being out here is I see these harsher, more stark reminders of how little control I have. And I think for me as a caregiver, one of the things that I've struggled with, and I don't know about you as a caregiver, and and I remember being asked by this reporter, they said, what is the hardest thing you've dealt with as a caregiver? Well, now let let me give you some background for those who just now tuning this show for the first time you know my wife's had 80 surgeries that i can count both of her legs are amputated she lives with relentless pain this has been going on since reagan's first term that's a long time a hundred plus doctors have treated her 12 hospitals seven insurance companies and she's had about another 100 150 smaller procedures this is not a small set of circumstances we deal with here but this reporter asked me so what is the what is the most difficult thing you've dealt with as a caregiver? And hands down, I had to, I admitted to that reporter and to you all, it's knowing what is mine and what is not mine to carry. And all too often, I'm trying to take on more than is mine to do. And I don't want to stand behind that snowplow and let, let it go at its pace where I know that I can be safe. I want to just, what about this? What about this? What are we going to do about here? What are we going to, you know, I can't do anything about tomorrow. I can't do anything about it, and neither can you. I cannot do anything about yesterday. I can only deal with right here and right now. That's all I can deal with. That's all any of us can deal with. I don't hold the monopoly on that. That's all any of us can deal with. And if, if, you're, if you're in a situation right now with someone and you're living in abject fear, uh, and I, I get that, I truly get that, and I've had... Uh, fear gripped me in this situation in play in ways that would just I, I, you couldn't even think straight. I couldn't. Even, I, I really couldn't. I don't know if you ever been in that kind of situation, John, where you've had so much fear about, oh my gosh, what are we going to do that you you don't even know how to process it. Oh, absolutely. Um, my my second child ended up in the ICU r- right after he was born. Um, and just what what are you going to do? You know, the, 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 the complete lack of information and a lack. Just there's nothing. There was just nothing. There's nothing you do except and stare. <laughs> yeah, it's and pace and, 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 <laughs> and exist in this new reality that's just that's everywhere. It's you're caught in the middle of the rain in a field, and there's there's nowhere to go. That's and, it. And you got well, and you got to stay behind the snowplow. And the snowplow is yeah. this team of doctors and professionals, of people you don't even know, 
who now have the most precious thing in your life in their hands, and you can't do anything about it. It's 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 a it's an unsettling thing, isn't it? It really is. It's just and and giving that and 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 giving that the uh, uh, the reverence it deserves. Uh, that that fact, the fact that it is it is a hard thing, and you're going to get through it because you can do this for 24 hours. It, and and that's the speed we go at. And I think if we can learn to slow down, and we've talked a lot about this on the show, the the fear, obligation, and guilt, the fog of caregivers, fear, obligation, and guilt. And we get we get so disoriented in this fog. And I don't know anybody who has successfully sped through a fog. <laughs> you know, I've never. I don't hear those stories. No, you don't know them because (laughs) they're not around to talk about it. (laughs) You you never read on the news or hear on the news. Hey, here's a here's an amazing story of a guy who was doing 80 through a fog. (laughs) Yeah, here's a great story. You don't hear those kind of things because when you run into fog. You have to slow down. You must go at the speed that is assigned to you, whether you if you don't, you will pay the consequences. And I've learned, by the way, I've learned out here in Montana, something, here's something I learned today, John, not today, but I've been picking up a lot. Sure, sure. Um, and this is everywhere, but you kind of, it, it kind of becomes a little bit more vivid to me out here. There's no rewards or penalties in nature, just consequences. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nature's, nature doesn't have a vin, vendetta against you. <laughs> it's just, this is right. the way it and, is. And, you don't have to like and, it. And you, <laughs> You you can't you can't plead with it. You can't. No. <laughs> there's no bargaining here, and that's that's that, the big thing. That's the you can't change any part of this that we're talking about. Well, um, I, I, that's not that doesn't make you powerless. It just makes it makes that the reality of the situation. Well, there's there's um at the barn where and we're feeding the horses. We have a lot of hay in there, and I was talking mm-hmm. to a guy that that used to do this. I'll be I'll be feeding the horses here. I actually did that yesterday, and I'll be starting to do it now that we got snow on the ground. And he said something to me. He said, you might want to, when you go to the barn to do this, he said, you might want to announce your presence loudly, make a noise, uh-huh. and then be prepared to not just go straight into where the hay is because a moose is liable to be hanging out in there. And they will charge mm-hmm. you. Now, the moose doesn't personally have anything against me, <laughs> but if you if you sneak up on a moose, it could get a little bit gnarly. I just, I'm just throwing that out there, John. I don't, you might want to write that down. No, I'll keep that in mind next time I run into a moose. <laughs> it's something. It's something you might just a little handy piece of information. You might want to announce yeah. your presence because they or the mountain lion that could be in there just kind of staying warm. And exactly. Well, and it, you were talking about all this stuff having being in Montana, and these are you know we talk about having to slow down because. A lot of the things have really long-term consequences if you they make do. a mistake. And, if, yeah, yeah. And for us as caregivers, there are very long-term consequences of rushing around, frantically trying to take on or go faster than we really can. People are going to get hurt. You're going to get hurt. And you might take your family with you. Uh, I was talking to a guy, um, and he is, he's got several special needs children who he has adopted. Uh, no, he's got four children, grandchildren. He's, uh, he and his wife have adopted. But they are, um, uh, they're all having some emotional issues because their mother was a drug addict. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's a tough situation. And, and I was 
kind of pointing, I wasn't kind of, I was pointing him to safety. All right, here's, here's some paths you might want to explore. Because uh, that's all I do on the show. I, don't, I try not to give advice because I, I can't take care of your loved one anymore than you can take care of mine. But what I can do is tell you, here's you some things I've learned. You know your situation far better than us. Yeah. And here's some things I've learned. And, and here's, I know a dead end when I see it. And I told him, I said, he was 72 years old. He's got four children, all under nine. And two of them are twins. So when he's 82, he's going to have two 17-year-old twins when he's 82. Um, and I said, you know, you here's some things you might want to consider. And he just locked it down. He did not want to hear what I was saying. And sometimes people don't. And I'm not there to hold you down and help you. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to point you the best I can to safety. And I, but you, you know, you can lead a man to an idea, but you can't make him think. And, and I, I'm trying to offer my own failures as, as exhibit a, that if you don't, and his thing was, well, look, I'm just, you know, God's not going to take me home until all my work is done here. Da, 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 da. You know, I said, you know what? I'm a man of faith too. And I have life insurance because something happens to me. I want to make sure that Gracie is as cared for as I possibly can. I can't guarantee, I can't do anything other than try to be the best steward of what I have. My resources, my time, my body, everything else. And part of that means being able to slow down. You as a caregiver, I'm just telling you, slow down. Don't pass the snowplow. There's a reason the snowplow is out there. I learned that in the heavy winters of Montana, and I don't want to pass the snowplow. Because that's where you get hurt. That's where things can go off the rail. And I don't care what kind of a hurry I'm in. Being in a ditch in a wrecked car is not going to make that journey faster. And this is the risk we, we face as caregivers. If we try to rush too much, and I am guilty of this, John, it, it, it's shameful how guilty I am of this. But I'm getting better at it. Okay, I mean, I'm making progress, not perfection, just progress. And in baseball, I'll give a little baseball analogy, John, a baseball analogy. Go ahead and just prepare yourself for it. Oh, I love baseball analogies. If you put the bat on the ball three out of ten times in baseball, they're going to put you in the Hall of Fame. You're hitting 300. Oh, yeah. 330. (laughs) You know, they're going to put you in the Hall of Fame. The goal is not to be perfect at this, and the goal is not to 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 live an, an exemplary, flawless life as a caregiver. The goal is for you to be safe and get to your destination safely, even if that destination is a graveyard, for you to get there safely. Now, that's hard. That's hard to hear, but that's our reality. I'm not here to dress it up. I'm just want this is reality. This is our life, and we're caring for someone that may indeed beat us to the grave graveyard. That's the, actually, that's the goal for me is for me to outlive my wife. I can't promise it, but I want to live like, and, 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 as if I could. Now, some of you are dealing with special needs, children, children with autism and things like that, down syndrome, so forth that, that aren't necessarily terminal and they may outlive you. And you have to plan for that. I get that. But it still means being good stewards of who you are while you're in the driver's seat, while you are behind the wheel of this car. Don't 
pass the snowplow. Let it do its job. Let this thing go at the pace it needs to go. If the doctors are working on this, don't try to get out in front of it. Just let it be what it's going to be. It's going to go one day at a time, and that's all you have. Anything more than that, and you're trying to uh, force an outcome that could have disastrous results. Now, I've seen people pass a snowplow. I've seen them do it, and I've seen them do it successfully. But I'm not willing to play those odds. How about you, John? No, I'm not. And well, and, and what I was uh, what I was thinking, uh, you know, this whole time, all this sounds really bleak. We've been dealing with the bleak side of this, but letting go and letting the snowplow do its thing is like the first step in getting to the other side of this, which is living this in a joyful sort of way. And that's the way you end up be, being better at this, even though that's not the goal. I have driven on very snowy and icy roads out here when there was no slow plow. It's nerve-wracking. Mm. It's a mm-hmm. lot more peaceful when you stay about a couple hundred yards behind that thing and got a nice, smooth road to drive on. And that's the key. Hey, uh, let me ask you a question. Are you, um, are you trying to pass a snow plow? 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. You want to be a part of the show, we'd love to hear from you. This is Hope for the Caregiver. It's the nation's number one show for the family caregiver. How are you feeling? How are you doing? How are you holding up? Let's talk about that. 877-655-6755. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Jeff Foxworthy. 65 million Americans serve as a caregiver for a sick or disabled loved one. If you're one of them, then listen to my friend Peter Rosenberger's show. He's got redneck tendencies, but he's really good at what he does. Have you ever struggled to trust God when lousy things happen to you? I'm Gracie Rosenberger, and in 1983, I experienced a horrific car accident leading to 80 surgeries and both legs amputated. I questioned why God allowed something so brutal to happen to me. But over time, my questions changed, and I discovered courage to trust God. That understanding, along with an appreciation for quality prosthetic limbs, led me to establish Standing with Hope. For more than a dozen years, we've been working with the government of Ghana and West Africa, equipping and training local workers to build and maintain quality prosthetic limbs for their own people. On a regular basis, we purchase and ship equipment and supplies. And with the help of inmates in a Tennessee prison, we also recycle parts from donated limbs. All of this is to point others to Christ, the source of my hope and strength. Please visit StandingWithHope.com to learn more and participate in lifting others up. That's StandingWithHope.com. I'm Gracie, and I am Standing With Hope. Welcome back to the show for caregivers, about caregivers, hosted by a caregiver. This is Peter Rosenberger. This is Hope for the Caregiver, the nation's number one show for the family caregiver here on Family Talk Channel 131. We are live, 877-655-6755, 877-655-6755 if you want to be a part of the show. I got something I want to say real quick. Somebody had posted something on Facebook, because we do stream the show on Facebook, by the way. Hope for the Caregiver on Facebook. And uh, it's, a, it's a friend of mine who's, uh, who I know is going through some tough times. And I heard 
something, and I'm just going to pass this on. We caregivers tend to be a pretty capable lot. You know, I've often said we're high-functioning multitaskers. We're pretty capable people, and we do things without being told or supervised. We just step up and just do it, and we get a lot of things done. I mean, I can bring home the bacon fried up in a pan and never let you forget I'm a man. I can do it all. So can you as a caregiver. That's what we do. But I've also found something about capable people. The more capable we are, the longer it takes for us to realize we're not and the more carnage that we can cause in that journey. We're not capable enough. Okay? And that is, um, that is a hard lesson to learn. We are not capable enough. No matter how good you are at this, it's not enough. It's still bigger than you. And you can't carry it by yourself. You just can't. And that's why our caregiver tip of the day is don't pass the snowplow. There is a safer way to do this for you, but it's going to involve you being slower and letting go of the control that you think you have because you don't. Now, how do I know that? Well, that's 30-something years of failure. You know, there's, failure is a great reminder of just how incapable we are because we're not. And that's okay. You were not supposed to be. This is not something that was assigned to you because you're a capable person that can fix it. It's just a part of your life. It is what it is. But it doesn't mean that you have to be miserable in it. Okay? I just kind of wanted to pass that on a little bit. These are things that I wrestle with. These are things that I'm learning. And all I'm doing is aggregating a lifetime of experience to offer a lifeline of help to my fellow caregivers. I just want to point you to the same solid ground that I still depend upon to, to, to find those places. And I get off of it too. I mean, I get out in the, in the quicksand. We all do. So we got to remind each other of where safe ground is. And safe ground is, number one, admitting that you are not in control of this. I can only control my own thoughts, my own words, my own deeds. That's it. I cannot control the weather. I cannot control the fact that my wife's legs are gone, that she's in pain all the time. I can't, I, there's none of these things that I can do, nor can you. You can't fight autism. You can't fight Alzheimer's. You can't fight addiction, an addicted loved one. You can fight your own, but you can't fight theirs. So what do we do? We deal with today and we go at a speed that is a little bit alien to us, which is slow. And that's hard to do. And it takes reminders that we need to breathe and just slow down. It's going to be what it's going to be. A friend of mine told me, uh, 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 he's an engineer. In fact, he, hey, Chris Latham, he, does, he, he and I wrote my theme song together. And he said, a song, John, you'll get this. A song is like a train. Uh, full of okay. boxcars, okay? And you may be in one particular boxcar, and the song, the tempo of the song is that locomotive pulling that series of boxcars. Gotcha. Now, inside that boxcar, you are free to run around at whatever speed you want to, but you're not going to get to the end of the song any faster. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So he said, That's a very you might as well, sort of, yeah. well, you might as well just enjoy the drive because you're not yeah. going to get there. You cannot force 
something that's beyond your control to go faster or slower than you. Yeah. It just it's just going to be not, what it's going to be. That kind of brings up a little bit about because what you were saying earlier, it sounds like you know if you weren't thinking about it, that this means that you're powerless in this, and that's not the case at all. It just means that there are things that are immutable to you. There there are rules to this game that we're playing. There, and, and I didn't and make the rules. Accept that. And I didn't yeah, make yeah, the rules. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right, let's say uh, let's take a call from uh, Sheila in Montana. Hey, Sheila. Um, <laughs> Sheila, good afternoon. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. How are you feeling? <laughs> um, how am I feeling? Well, I'm feeling... I asked you first, Sheila. <laughs> I know. I said, how am I feeling? I'm feeling <laughs> relieved, I guess, would be the word. I love the analogy that you're giving about because I just got home driving through the snow in four-wheel drive. And I'm thinking, okay, don't go back. Oh, my gosh, don't go faster than the snowplow. Don't pass the snowplow. Don't and, pass the snowplow. Oh, my gosh, every time my special needs son calls me, I have to, and it's like, okay, all right, I'm going to have to remember that. Okay, there's a snowplow, and don't try to speak. And I always do, it seems like what I'm always doing speeding past, you know, come on, what's your problem? Let's deal with it. Let's get it over with, blah, blah, blah. Okay, how can I do that? How can I do blah, 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 blah. And he's going, that is, that is. And I felt like, oh, my gosh. I remember it wasn't too many weeks ago. I, the one time I did this right, I let him talk. Do you know it went for an hour and 15 minutes? An hour and 15 minutes. I didn't try to solve the problems. I just listened. But that's one time out of 500, you know, <laughs> and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, and my husband and I, we both go through this, and we're always trying to fix everything. Like you said, we're trying to fix it, and we can't, you know, and so I, I love your analogy. It's awesome, because maybe it'll help me. Well, oh, here's the snowplow, you know. Again, I would take credit for it, but it wasn't mine. It was given to me by care. a wise salt here in, in Montana. And, and I thought about And also, you might want to, you know, the snowplow guy, you get the feeling that the snowplow guy that is driving this thing is listening to Lawrence Welk and we're listening to Led Zeppelin. You know, <laughs> I mean, you ever get that feeling? I mean, <laughs> I get that feeling like he's not aware that I'm there. And doesn't care. And he doesn't care. No, no, I don't care. Somebody behind you. Fifteen cars behind you. It, I don't it, care. He's going to do what he's going to do, and it's going to be what it's going to be, and we can fight it or not fight it. And he'll call for help oh. while we're laid in a ditch, but he's going to keep on going doing his job. Right? You know? No I'm kidding. Well, but the other thing too is I I keep telling myself, okay, God, um, I'm not quite learning the lesson. So you know, I realize there's a purpose in everything. I think. And I mean, maybe, you know, maybe it's just, it, well, it's just life, but, um, but I need to learn like, like that. I, I need to deal with it like the snowplow, because if I remember that I see the phone call, I have a special tone for him when he calls <laughs> and I said, okay, here comes the snowplow. You know, you know, by the way, here's a tip. Uh, somebody gave me too. change yeah. the name on your phone. Change the name on your phone to your loved one. Like put their first name, and then put "be kind" or "be patient," oh. and type that into their actual name. Oh. Oh, 
instead of his middle name. Yeah. And so and so so when you see that come up, it said you know it'll say like Fred, be patient, you know whatever, and or or mom, don't yell, (laughs) or or you know so and so, don't swear, you know. Yeah. So, oh, that's a good thought too. You know, that's it did, a good it, thought too. Again, these are just little things. They're, they're, we're not going to fix it, but what no, we can do is learn to live peacefully. And, and I, I want to throw out a theory right. to you. I'm going to throw out a theory. Yeah. And you tell you tell me if I'm barking mad or <laughs> I'm onto something. Yeah. I, can I don't this think. Question before. <laughs> yeah, John's already got his answer. <laughs> you can't buzz into you hear the whole question, John. <laughs> this is like family feud. <laughs> um, but it's a. Uh, I think that we as caregivers need very little in the way of instruction and a whole lot of reminders. Yeah. I, I, that's just a theory I've got. A whole lot of reminders. Hmm. And, and so I'm not, you know, I mean, with your special needs son, for example, Sheila, I'm not going to instruct you and you don't need me to instruct you. You don't need anybody else to instruct you how to deal with right. the son. But, but we do need reminders. Absolutely. Um, you're and right. and and so I think that's what happens with me. I mean, I have caregiver amnesia, and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I do. I mean, Sorry, well, you forget to let well, the snowplow do its job. You know? Yeah, I mean, I laugh because I'm laughing at myself. Yeah, every well, time I turn around, I forgot. <laughs> you know, and and I think that's the whole point of this journey as caregivers. If we could just take a moment here on the air, we're on the air on Sirius. We're just hanging out, just caregiver to caregiver. And we're talking about it. Yeah, this is really tough. We're, we're, we're struggling with this. And then we burst into laughter. And that's, mm-hmm. that's oxygen to our souls. That's mm-hmm. a reminder, you know, that we really can, we can breathe along this journey without just killing ourselves and, and our yeah. loved ones. In fact, you have to. You know? Yeah, we do. Right. Well, and, and yeah, the bo- you know, because it hurts when we realize, when I realize, my husband and I realize when the relationship is bad and we know it's not our son's fault, nobody's fault. He's not being mean or even he's being who he is, but we feel terrible afterwards. Well, because we can't, you know, do this or do that. Or we reacted this way or reacted that way. He doesn't get this. He doesn't do that. Oh my goodness. He's God's creation too. Yeah. And you know, God, and, and God loves him. We love him. It's, you know, those hard times, when we think, okay, I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm tired of this kid, you know. But but and I felt then you feel bad, you know. Afterwards, no, he's well, got creation too, and I know he has a sweetheart and a sweet soul. You know, it's just well. That goes back to that that fog of caregivers I talk about. We get into fear, we mm. get into obligation, then we get into guilt. Oh, I feel yeah. guilty for even thinking this or whatever. And I, I heard right. a great quote that that helped me kind of reorient some things a long time ago. It said they're not doing it to you; they're just doing it. Right. Oh, They're yeah. just doing exactly. It. Oh my and, god. And and you don't have we don't have to take everything personally, and mm. and and we don't have to go to every fight that we get a ticket to. Mm. I mean, you know, we could just yeah. you know we could sit a few of these things out, and yeah, and, and 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 so I you know these are little things that I I I need to hear back. I mean, I'm glad you called just to remind me of these things, Sheila, because yeah. I need to hear this just like the rest of us, and this is not going to end. Um, no. And it's not going to end no. in a way that we we wish it this to. Side of heaven. Mm-mm. No, but 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 that doesn't mean mm-hmm. we have to be miserable. And you know no. what? It's it's in the middle. I mean, it's a late afternoon here. 
and you and I are talking, and we're not miserable. No. You know, you've got a special needs son. I've got a wife with severe oh. medical trauma. Oh my goodness! And guess what? Yes, we're not miserable. We don't have to be miserable. Cracking, cracking jokes. No. And, you know. and, and we're and John's <laughs> making us laugh. John, say something funny. Yeah, I mean, something funny. <laughs> well, uh, Sheila, uh, it means a lot yeah. that you took the time to call. It, 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 I don't take it for granted that people are driving around and they're listening to the show or wherever they are, they're streaming it or whatever no. they're doing. Yeah. And and no. we don't know how many people. There are a lot of special needs parents out there, Sheila, need to hear what oh, you had goodness. to say. Yeah. They need to, they my, need to hear my, from you that, that hey, wait a minute, mm-hmm. I'm not alone for feeling this way. You know, Sheila's calling in, and she's feeling this way. And guess what? We're okay. No. We're, we're not. We're not miserable. Nobody's slitting our wrist. We're not jumping into the no. bathtub with toasters. You know, and, and, and we, you know, we're just. Sorry, we're just. That's a visual. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you know what? <laughs> but then also, too, Peter is um, one of the things that's helped. You helped me, and you was out of this. Um, whatever this tragedy or this this life experience god is used for good and my son, now my older son for me years ago i started you know at our church the special needs ministry there was no sunday school for special needs kids we're talking a couple decades ago there wasn't one and so i thought well my son has no place to go he can't read and he can't you know blah 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 and now you know so that's a good thing well now just Yesterday, I talked to my older son, and he's he's the chairman of the school board, a very large school uh, school district in 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 Calvin Kern County. And he told me, he said, "Get this, mom." He said, "I spent all all this morning. I had a school board meeting, and there were some parents of special needs kids came in, and they were and he explained to me all the statistics of what's going on there. They had thirteen, eighteen percent, which is a huge. I was amazed at this large. Eighteen percent of the children in that large school district are special needs. I went, whoa. And then he said, because they had nineteen kids show up at the beginning of the year that weren't registered, that were special needs kids, they were going to have to move. You know, do this and do that with these kids. And of course, the parents are upset because, like you, you know, autism. You just don't rand. You don't do this with special needs kids. There's all kinds of. Others, first of all, they like stability. They like routine. Number one. Number two is you got to have the, the, the other helpers, the other assisted things. You know, the nurse, whatever. And so my son, here he was with these parents. And you know what? It was so awesome to me. He said, "Mom, I was able to tell them. I know exactly what you're talking about. My brother had to change schools every single year, and it was all over the county. He would have mm. an hour bus ride." You want to know what that meant to those parents? Because they knew they had an advocate there, that somebody who understood. Who really right gets there, the journey. Yes. And you know what? Half Here, the wall is down. Yeah. I heard a great quote one time. You know, our Savior yeah. was a carpenter, and he doesn't even waste the sawdust. Mm. You know, the things in our life that we think are meaningless or worthless mm. or whatever. No, 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 no. They're not. Mm. You, no, you'd be amazed. At what happens with the things that we consider frustrating, challenging, mm. waste, tragedy, all that kind of stuff True. can be woven into something True. extraordinary. Well, Sheila, True. listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got thank a bump you. here, but listen, thank you for thank taking you. the time to call. It means a lot. Thank okay. You. Well, I'm gonna change his name. <laughs> be patient. As I look out my window, I could not even see out the window yesterday because of all the snow here. And the fact that I got into town this morning was an absolute miracle and grace of God. So thank you. I just happened to tune in to 131 
and I didn't what? realize I, I was wanting to come by and stay at the church, and I couldn't. And so then I, oh, my goodness, I want to get to Peter. So that's awesome. And then when you <laughs> talked about the still fly, I went, oh, my gosh. So thank you so much. Thank you for taking my call, and God bless you, and we'll be gone out of state for a while. So, but, um, yeah, but safe travels, right, and thank you very thank much, you, Sheila. Too. Thank you so much. And God bless you guys. Thanks. I'll- Listen, this is why we do the show. To let you know you're not alone. By the way, I need to t- tell you something real quick. I'm getting ready to ship some um, some knees and a hip over <laughs> to West Africa. I've got some uh, uh, some parts and uh, prosthetic parts for our work we do with amputees over in West Africa. When Gracie lost both of her legs, she wanted to have an outreach to see again of things that would come out of tragedy. She had this vision for being able to, from her own tragedy, help someone else walk. And we do through Standing with Hope, which is the presenting sponsor of the show. It's for the wounded and those who care for them. And we work with Core Civic out of Nashville, Tennessee, and they have a, a local prison in Tennessee where inmates volunteer to disassemble used limbs that we collect from all over the country. So I could really use your help going out to standingwithhope.com and see where you can share that with other folks who you know may be an amputee or funeral home directors or whatever, wherever used limbs may end up. Uh, from a family member who passed away or a kid who outgrew them or whatever, we could take those devices. These inmates do. It's one of the faith-based programs at Core Civic, and we could really use your help in getting those parts so that we can use them to build brand new legs over in West Africa. And they go walking and leaping and praising God. It's a great work uh, for the wounded and those who care for them. So you could sponsor a leg. You can help get the word out. You could sponsor this show. Be a part of what we're doing at StandingWithHope.com. All right, let's go to Tracy in Georgia uh, Tracy, good afternoon. How are you feeling? Good afternoon. Um, I'm feeling great, feeling wonderful. Uh, just trying to stay positive every day. Well, tell me why uh, that's. Tell me what what's going on with you on this. Okay, so uh, my father has Alzheimer's. He's 78 years old, um, and I have left my home of 24 years with my husband so that I may go up to help my mother, who is 76, um, take care of my father. Um, I go Monday through Friday to work, but, however, someone's there every single night, all night with them. And that's a big time. That just seems like when things happen is at nighttime. So um, it's a really difficult time for my mother because during the stress of what's been going on, um, over the last year and a half, she's lost a lot of weight, up to 65 pounds. Um, she's 106 pounds, but yet she's a caregiver for my father. And my father is a Gemini, so it's kind of hard to decipher, is it the Alzheimer's now, or is this his personality? And sometimes the eye is a given when you know something's taking uh, place, but sometimes it's, that's not there. So it's hard for me to read him and when he's really, truly acting as himself or when it's the disease. Well, I think sometimes when you get in a situation like this where there's mental impairment, uh, the rule that I've heard and come to live by is don't be surprised when they act impaired. Be surprised when they don't. Uh, Because you've got a situation where Alzheimer's is you're it's. It's the filter or the um, it's the front line of what you're going to deal with with your dad, no matter what. And there may be moments when he may express lucidity, uh, certainly in the evening times when sundowners kicks in. It's not going to happen. And that's when you kind of 
to, to protect yourself and your mother, learn to detach from that and realize that he's not doing it to you. He's just doing it. The disease is right. taking over, and you can't, you can't have a relationship with Alzheimer's. And you can still you honor really your father. Can't. No, you can't. And don't try. It's worthless to try. Don't try to reason with him. Don't try to argue with him. Don't try to do any of those things. Learn to deflect. I, I'm a second-degree black belt in, in Hapkido, and it's a Ooh. self-defense art. And when somebody throws a punch at you, you don't have to let them hit you, and you don't have to try to hit them back harder to, to counter. That's called, you know, that, that's just rock em, sock em robots. And, and, but you don't also have to overpower them when they try to throw a punch. What you learn to do is deflect. And and you just push it aside, and you be you you don't be where the punch is thrown. You get out of the way of that, and you learn how to deflect and detach from that, and realize that you don't have to prove him wrong in order for you to be right. Absolutely. Okay? And and um, let me ask you, let me ask you a couple quick questions because we're going to run out of time, and I just want to ask you a couple quick questions. Yes, sir. Um, yes. You've only temporarily moved away from your husband, or have you left your husband? Um, just temporarily. Okay. How often do you get to get back? Mm, once a month, maybe. Can you get, can you do more and maybe have some other person come in to help with your mom? Um, yes, I can. Because for your own safety and for your own marriage and for your own relationship, that's going to be a, a, a healthier place for you. If you can do that, I would highly encourage you to do so because that's going to be healthier for both you and your husband. Uh, this thing with your with your father could go on for some time. Okay. I, I don't know how how close to death's door he is, but people can live with Alzheimer's for many many years, and right. and it can only and it's you know it's going to get increasingly more stressful and worse as he becomes less and less able to do things. But you and, have a yes. you and your husband have uh, have to protect what's going on between you two. Okay. Correct. And and he needs you, and you need him. And um, mm-hmm. and so I, I know that you've kind of you, you're torn because you want to honor your mother and father. You want to do all these things. And I, I get that. And that's important. But you don't have to honor Alzheimer's. OK, very true. Absolutely. You can honor your dad without honoring Alzheimer's. Hey, let me Absolutely. let me let me ask you. Let me ask you a favor. Would Can I put you on hold and let Ed get your information? Can I just send you a book? Would that be okay? Oh, absolutely. I've got a, I've got a little that. book called Seven Caregiver Landmines and How You Go. I got several books, but this is the newest one. It's just a little like a field manual. I mean, Tracy, it's embarrassing. It's so easy you could read it in the bathroom. I know because that's where I wrote it. And right, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That is but, awesome. I love it. <laughs> but but I want to send this to you just so you'll have something just to kind of read through. It, it, it really is easy, but it's reminders. Again, when I talked about the last caller, I don't think we need his instructions as much as we need reminders. That's and, if, so and, and, and I wrote this for myself, just as easy reminders of how to be able to navigate through these things. So I'm going to put you on hold and let Ed get your information. And thank you so much for taking the time to call Tracy. Okay. Listen, this is hope for the caregiver. This is the nation's number one show for the family caregiver. I think you know why. It's a different show. It's not what you expect. John's not what you expect. Are you, John? Well, I'm not right. Go to standingwithhope.com. Be a part of what we're doing. If you like what you're hearing, support it. Share it. Spend some time reading and getting some of the information we put out there for you. Healthy caregivers make better caregivers. Today's a great day to start. I'm Peter Rosenberger. We'll see you next week.
How about that? Beautiful gentleman. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. There's a, there's a, okay, go ahead. I don't think you need to buy her a dress this early. I mean, you know. That was a um that was a pretty good show, John. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I like the, uh Sheila. She actually I think she goes to church here. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say she she she's gotta know you. She's got to. There's no but way she's, around it. You know? <laughs> she's got a she's got a whole lot of personality. And oh, yeah. uh <laughs> um but we had three callers. But we, well, we had coast to coast, Montana and Georgia. Nice. And, um, so how did I handle so it? So where was the other one? What was the other one? Well, the other one, she called in from Tulsa, but she wasn't sure what kind of show this was, and she may call back, but she was like, she called. Yeah. I was like, okay, it's a drive-by. Cool. Um, oh, uh, just fine, absolutely. Uh, You've heard me talk about Standing with Hope over the years. This is the prosthetic limb ministry that Gracie envisioned after losing both of her legs. Part of that outreach is our prosthetic limb recycling program. Did you know that prosthetic limbs can be recycled? No kidding. There is a correctional facility in Arizona that helps us recycle prosthetic limbs. And this facility is run by a group out of Nashville called Core Civic. And we met them over 11 years ago. And they stepped in to help us with this recycling program of taking prostheses and you disassemble them. You take the knee, the foot, the pylon, the tube clamps, the adapters, the screws, the liners, the prosthetic socks, all these things we can reuse and inmates help us do it. Before CoreCivic came along, I was sitting on the floor at our house or out in the garage and when we lived in Nashville and I had tools everywhere, limbs everywhere and feet, boxes of them and so forth. And I was doing all this myself and I'd make the kids help me. And it got to be too much for me. And so I was very grateful that Core Civic stepped up and said, look, we are always looking for faith-based programs that are interesting and that give inmates a sense of satisfaction. And we'd love to be a part of this. And that's what they're doing. And you can see more about that at standingwithhope.com slash recycle. So please help us get the word out that we do recycle prosthetic limbs. We do arms as well, but the majority of amputations are, are lower limb, and that's where the focus of Standing With Hope is. And that's where Gracie's life is with her lower limb prostheses. And she's used some of her own limbs in this outreach uh, that she's recycled. I mean, she's been an amputee for over 30 years. So you go through a lot of legs and parts and other types of materials, and you can reuse prosthetic socks and liners if they're in good shape. All of this helps give the gift that keeps on walking, and it goes to this prison in Arizona where uh, it's such an extraordinary ministry. Think about that. Inmates volunteering for this. They want to do it, and they've had uh, amazing times with it, and I've had very moving conversation with the inmates that work in this program. And you can see, again, all of that at standingwithhope.com slash recycle. They're putting together a big shipment right now for us to ship over. We do this pretty regularly throughout the year as inventory rises, and they need it badly in Ghana. So please uh, go out to standingwithhope.com slash recycle and get the word out and help us do more. If you want to offset some of the shipping, you can always go to the giving page and be a part of what we're doing there. We're purchasing material in Ghana that they have to use that can't be recycled. We're shipping over stuff that can be, and we're doing all of this to lift others up and to point them to Christ. And that's the whole purpose of everything that we do. And that is why Gracie and I continue to be standing with hope. Standingwithhope.com Take my hand